On this week's episode, we celebrate the milestone of reaching 50 episodes by discussing our most personal case yet in THC history. We bring you the mind-bending case of the Zodiac Killer, the closest thing we'll ever get to a hometown serial killer. Then we review the star-studded 2007 movie, Zodiac, that takes us on a trip down THC memory lane. So once you've cracked that coded message, meet us in the pod shed. We're from the East Bay, home of the original martini, so we're drinking ours extra dirty and talking about murder. Welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your other host, Bailey. I'm just over here sniffing the mic. No big deal. Hey, happy 50th episode. Happy 50th. <gasps> happy 50th. Cheers. Thanks. Nom, nom, nom. Drinking a new wine tonight for our 50th episode. This one comes from Northern California. Mm-hmm. There's a very special reason we picked Northern California wine. This is Exponential. Pinot Grigio from California and we think it's all right yeah it's pretty it's a pretty bottle which is one of the reasons I chose it I also chose it because of location um and it's wine it's wine it's still not as good as our beloved dark horse if you've been around for the past 49 episodes you'll know all about it Anyways, happy 50th episode. Yeah. We never thought we would make it all the way to 50. Once we realized that there was 50 some odd weeks in a year, we're like, oh, shit. Right. And then also, how could there possibly be that many movies based on true crime? But when you throw in the gems like our Thanksgiving episodes and our Friday the 13th. And also like uh, haunting episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, we're going to be, which I guess it is true crime, but there's also cult episodes we yeah. can do. So we still have at least another 50 episodes. There is something, I don't know, I never want to end, but there's something kind of like fun about the idea of ending it on 100. I know. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. The perfect number. Absolutely. But by then we'll probably have more than three listeners and we won't want to end it. But anyways, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you've been here for all these episodes, I cannot believe you've been here for 50 episodes. That's crazy. Um... Anything? How's your week going? My week was fine. It was fairly uneventful. I had to work with sadness twice. (laughs) But the payoff in that was that she should have had both of the clients in on the same day. But because she chose to be lazy and split them into two separate appointments onto two separate days, she got no-showed the second day. Whoops. Yep. So I was like, oh, I came down here for nothing. And I'm like, yeah, bye. Maybe that's what you get. Mm-hmm. Well, something eventful. I haven't even talked to you about it. Did Ooh. your husband tell you about the possible shooting? That oh, I was my witnessing? God. Yes. Oh, my God. The proof of life. Because we were on the phone when he's like, oh, shit. Like, your friend's calling me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like. Mariah's calling me. I'm like, why would she be calling you? Right. Because uh, in case of an emergency, I know who to get a hold of and who's going to handle shit. And it ain't going to be B. Nope. So I was standing in my bathroom getting ready for work. I go to work much later than B and her husband, Nick, do. And I had my bathroom window open, which looks 
almost directly basically at their house yep. but we live on a cul-de-sac so right next to their house is another neighbor and they're like diagonal from my bathroom window mm-hmm. so I'm getting ready and I very clearly as clear as day hear a gunshot and not only do I hear a gunshot I see a flash of light and I know oh it could be a car backfire it could be this it could be that people I've been a been around guns my whole life. I've been going to gun ranges my whole life. I know what a gunshot sounds like. And the fact that I could see the flash of light really freaked me out. Because I'm like, fuck, that means it's outside and it's somewhere close, right? So I turn off my podcast I'm listening to and I shut my bathroom window quietly because I don't know what's going on. No other shots happen. So I'm like, why would there just be one gunshot? Be a Nick's neighbor is an elderly couple their adult kids live with them to help take care of the their dad who's had like a bunch of health problems yep. over the past couple years mm-hmm. and I'm like what if so-and-so offed himself right which isn't a great thing to think about but I couldn't figure out why there would only be one gunshot right diagonal from my house so like I uh, coincidentally my husband came home a couple minutes later because he had to grab something he forgot at home and I made him go check it out and he didn't see anything. Yep. And I was like, OK, all right. All right. I'll let it go. Nick also else. came back. He got off the freeway and came back and like knocked well, at the door. There. Oh, OK. So then I go to work and I can't let it go. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, what if something did happen to that guy or even if he did it himself? Like, I don't want his family to come home because right. too, I was selfish in that moment. I'm like, well, it's already done. Like, what's the big deal? And this, <laughs> yes. You kind hearted person over here. God forbid. <laughs> so I call the other person I'd ever call in an emergency in, in the town we live in, which is B's husband. Right. <laughs> and uh, I told him what happened. And he actually because he normally belittles me, but he actually was like on my side. And he's like, no, 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 this is serious. I'll like, go check it out. Because it's definitely a possibility. Totally. It could totally happen. Luckily, there was nothing. Yeah. I'm insane. Yeah. But I don't know what the fuck I heard and saw. Right. So is there really a wind in the story? Like, are you losing your mind? Did something happen? Will we ever know? Definitely something happened. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And since we haven't we haven't physically spoken to those neighbors. Right. We just know that he didn't kill himself. Right. My point is, is what if he was like shooting at a rat or something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what if there was a gunshot and it not related to any human harm (laughs) like what if there was like you know a fucking rabid possum in his yard that he was like shooting at right i am curious why you thought him and not the other home bound because it was elder person on the street because of where it was from my bathroom window i saw the flash of light okay Mm -hmm. and that other homebound person i wouldn't be able to see anything true and probably not hear it as clear as i heard it got it it was very clearly from that part of the world Uh so it's a big mystery um that's only bothering me but there's nothing i can do about it luckily everybody is unharmed but that was absolutely nuts i was so upset i was so sure that we were gonna find something horrific next door Mm -hmm. so i'm very glad we didn't um but other than that not much excitement's been happening no i did spend Close to like $300 on Halloween shit in the past two days. So most of it at the dollar store. So that's very impressive. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I got some work done. 
Violet was exhausted. She's like, can we just go home? And I'm like, no. What stores did you go to? I did Dollar Tree, 99 cent store, Target, and Big Lots. All with your kid? Yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah. I'm exhausted for her. I know. Mm Mm-hmm. My kids would have made it to the second storm and like, and we're wrapping this up. What but are we it's doing? It's like usually we'd go to the park or go out and do this and that. It's still garbage outside. So it was a way to keep busy, a way to get her out and move in. And Amen. I got her a thing from each place. Amen. I know. I saw your load. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to get to Dollar Tree before everything, all the good shit's taken. And then Nick's giving me a hard time because Target has nothing nothing and honestly i like target and i like window shopping at target but for our taste especially in halloween decorations yeah they're not gonna have a bunch of stuff for a good price uh, really all i wanted from target was the family pajamas well they just might not be out yet b but that's so that's what nick said because it is online and as far as like the halloween decor and stuff most places are like yeah we've had it out and it's basically sold out already oh my god well, I get most of my Halloween stuff from the Dollar Tree. So. Yeah. Like their stuff's all out. And yeah. there was slim pickings. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I had a hard time. I couldn't find any webs or anything at the Dollar Tree. And They'll restock before That's why October. I ended up having to go to the 99 cent store for yeah, stuff like the, that. All that stuff. Because you remember it's still August. They'll restock all that shit yeah. in the beginning of October for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I do have a podcast rec. And... For our listeners and for you. Oh. It's co- and these people have probably popped up on your for you page on TikTok because okay. it is right up your alley of shit you like. They have a great TikTok account. Um and they have a podcast. It's two women, two besties called Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Ooh. Have you ever heard has no, that ever popped up on your TikTok? Nope. So it's two young women and they basically every week on their podcast they read a celebrity memoir mm-hmm. and then they give you the rundown mm-hmm. and it's great and I so bet. they've been on my tiktok for a long time i finally listened to their podcast this week i listened to the latest episode which is on olivia munn and when i tell you it will change your opinion of olivia munn forever well i don't really have much of an opinion they so. call her a dumb bitch a stupid cunt shallow vain she's fat phobic she's racist she hates women like they go in so hard on olivia wow. munn and the reason they go hard on her is because in olivia munn's own memoir that she wrote she says horrific things about women especially about fat people and fat women she, I mean, she How goes after everybody. How old is this memoir? Um, 2010. Okay, so still. Wow. So, um, and I know that not all their episodes are them. Dr- like, if it's a good book, then they'll talk about, you know, they just right. talk about they're whatever their feelings are. They're not there to just make are. people look bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever their, like, initial reactions are reading the book. They talk about it, and it was great. So okay. I recommend I think you would like it a lot. Wow, that does sound amazing. And then I guess I'll tie that into the one thing that I did binge watch this week. So I haven't watched anything. I'd love to hear it. Friday was super slow at work. And I was able to just have my phone going. And this was the perfect show to just have on in the background. Paris Hilton has a cooking show on I Netflix. I was waiting how long it would see. I was waiting to see how long it would take. I you watched to watch every it. episode. Yeah, of course. Every episode. Well, who was your favorite guest? 
probably oh my gosh maybe Demi Lovato really I cannot stand Demi Lovato because they messed up a lot of the food and like it and just Demi Lovato didn't come off as obnoxious no Mm-mm. all right because these are all Paris's friends yeah, I know. Right, it doesn't mean so, that Demi Lovato's not obnoxious. Well, no. So, I mean, it's just like they they all seem very much like her. Like they're yeah. just part of her world and part of her all right. vibe. Um, Fantastic. And Kim was very traditionally Kim. The one with her mom and sister was pretty cute. Yeah. Just because they like picked at each other quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lily Pons. I didn't know. Beforehand. I don't know who that is. Yeah. I didn't know before and I still don't really know anything about her now. Fair enough. And then... Sweetie was on. Sweetie was good. I love Sweetie. Baria girl. I feel like she was the only one that actually knew what she was doing in the kitchen. She can actually cook, cook. Because yeah. I follow Sweetie on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, because she's from Oakland. Yeah. That gets the follow right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's actually like cooking Yeah, like I a think lot. Paris made like one of her recipes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweetie cooks for real. And she eats like a bunch. She, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen such a least picky eater she'd be eating all kinds of weird stuff on her on Mm -hmm. her instagram i'm like i want to eat that shit so yeah no i so the reason i like the one with dummy lovato is because like they butchered the food they ended up they tried to make actual pasta yeah and they couldn't even get it through the machine because it was so fucked up have you ever watched um burt kreischer's cooking show no you would love it because here's the thing burt if you guys don't know who Burt Kreischer is. He's a comedian. But um, he has a show on like YouTube okay. where he invites usually his comedian friends over. Yeah. And they'll like he'll put them to work to like cook a meal with him. And of course, he's drinking the whole time. And the whole time it looks like a disaster. And everyone's making fun of each other, of course. And you're like, what the fuck is Burt doing? Like, this is not going to be good. But it's he's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, it's kind of sloppy and it's kind of messy. But that comes end, together. It's delicious. Because, okay. mm-hmm. I mean, he's a he's a thick fellow. He right. knows his food. Yeah. He knows what tastes good. So the best part, I think, about Paris's is like she's got crystals on her fucking cooking utensils mm-hmm. that like melt under <laughs> extreme heat and um she puts fucking edible glitter on everything well that makes sense but the amount so it's like you cough on it because like you go to take a bite of something and you breathe in the edible glitter that's so funny <laughs> but yeah so I watched every episode and it was amazing. I did see a clip of her and Kim on TikTok doing that show. Mm-hmm. And, ev- and everyone in the comments, somebody said like, oh my God, Paris makes Kim look like she's middle class. And yeah. someone's like, yeah, the difference between old money and new money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's probably pretty on brand. Yeah. Awesome. So there you go. There's our podcast reviews, our cooking show reviews, our uh, brush with possible gun violence and we're getting ready for halloween and we're getting ready for halloween i cannot wait i've been talking about it to everyone who will listen yeah. clients Please co-workers like, my excuse. favorite holiday is coming up just you wait um i'm gonna uh i don't have to work hard to convince the owner of the salon i work at to decorate because halloween's also her favorite holiday yeah. so i might have uh, mama break me off like i'll just give me a 50 and send me to the dollar tree yep. i'll be back with all kinds of salon decorations absolutely so it'll be fun. We cannot wait. Maybe this year we'll try to get some pictures 
we had a lot going on last Halloween. So maybe this year we can actually get some pictures of our yards for you guys. Um, It's just so hard to capture, but that white box over there, I just invested in new lighting, new LED lighting yes, mm -hmm, to light up the house. So that's really my focus this year is a couple DIY projects and the lighting and lighting. Because last year it was a lot of flashlights in the grass. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. And because we've got the solar, we obviously don't want to have so many battery operated lights. Also, we want to plug shit in. Absolutely. So are these like the big ones that you can like change the colors? They're not big, but yes, you can change the colors. When I mean big, I mean during Halloween and even during Christmas, I see people like point them at their house. So that way the house is I believe like... each light will do one full side of the house. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I mean by yes. big. It's mm-hmm. not like a small pin light or no, whatever. No, no. It's supposed to light up the whole side of the house. Lovely. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Well... As always, I need to step up my Halloween game, but you know, I lived in a condo for years, so I'm still working on it. Yeah. I didn't have a yard forever. And now we've got TikTok and those people on there are doing the craziest fucking DIY Halloween decorations. And I'm like, I can do that. They're giving me the inspiration I haven't had the, myself. The candle, um, the pool yep. noodle candles, which I'm sure you guys have all seen. Fantastic. Yeah. Really great. And like even just what you can do with some string lights and some foam insulation. Mm-hmm. Like the the spray shit. You've got oh, hot, yeah. hot coals, lava. Oh, I've seen it all. Yeah. And they said for that um, lava one that they just pick it up and store it in the garage yep. till next year. So they're not wasting. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, listen, let us know if you have any of your favorite <laughs> Halloween DIYs. Yeah. Also, if you could take a minute, 50 episodes in, and give us a five-star review on iTunes, give us a like, a comment, a subscribe, any of that stuff helps the podcast. We are up to, we've raised it up to probably more listeners than we've ever had before per episode. So we really appreciate it. Show us some love. Leave us a comment on Instagram. I will talk back to you. I promise. Other than that, you ready for this week's episode? I don't know. I wasn't ready when I watched the movie. Have you seen the movie before? A long time Me ago. Me too. I saw yeah. it when it first came out, I believe, in Blockbuster Video. Yeah, probably. I think I rented mm-hmm. it at Blockbuster. Yeah. Because I know I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it pretty soon after. And something you guys aren't ready for is the amount of fucking rules I'm going to drop on you while I go through my movie. Rules? Be- our rules. Oh. Our game. Well, let's talk about our game. Yeah. Thank- what a great transition. Oh, B. man. So if you, ever, hard. if you ever need a refresher, I have officially posted the rules on Instagram, THC podcast. This is our drinking game. We play it every week. If you are drinking an alcoholic beverage like we are, if you're drinking water or lemonade or coffee or tea or whatever, whatever it may be, take a drink or a chug or a shot. Or if you're smoking something, take a hit. Every time we mention a badass big sister, an old thc podcast reference i forgot our own rules what else do we do cheers where are we tonight if we're not in our beloved pod shed then you have to drink and we are not we are in b's room we've been here before for pictures on instagram we've never podcasted from here we've never podcasted from your bed correct we've podcasted from your garage and from your living room Mm -hmm. we've made it all the way to the bedroom yeah pretty exciting yeah and what else is there Past reference, the cheers, monk. badass big sister. Location. Location. And monk, is that it? And monk, we should have one more. I know. Are we stupid? Yeah. 
<laughs> we forgot our own rules, y'all. But either way, look and them up. If, on- if we have a monk reference, yeah. as in the USA Network television show Monk with motherfucking Tony Shalhoub and motherfucking Ted Levine, right? Amen. Buffalo Bill, baby. Amen. So that's our drinking game. I know I have a couple references to you, although I don't have the episode numbers. I bet you you do because I bet you it's a lot of the same. I, I bet it is. Shit. It is. Yeah. So we've already cheers. We're already off in a location, different location and reel it in, guys. Here, Here we, we go. go. So we've been waiting. I've been waiting for episode 50 to do this one because this one is near and dear to my heart because it is very close to where B and I grew up. Mm-hmm. This week's episode is the Zodiac Killer. This happens, I mean, within 10, 15 minutes from where B and I grew up, even closer to where my husband grew up and where my husband and I lived for quite a few years um, towards the beginning of our live-in relationship, pre-kids. This takes place all in, is Solano County like the East Bay? Is that considered East Bay? I think so. Yeah. Anyways, this all takes place in basically Solano County in these small towns called Vallejo, Benicia. One takes place, obviously, in San Francisco. It's it, it's just it was really interesting actually like reading about it and writing down these locations because these are all, a lot of these locations are places I have been. Mm-hmm. If not all of them are mm-hmm. places I have been, which is a little freaky. Yeah, for sure. All right, I got everything. For Are you th- kidding? That's a theme of our fucking podcast. How much I didn't realize Northern California in general, the amount of fucking crime and murder. A crazy amount of serial killers. Yeah. In partic- California in general, especially Northern California, but there are a lot of serial killers that would like go up and down the state and a lot of serial killers in the SoCal. Um, but there's a yeah. ton in Northern California. My theory is... We just have a lot of space up here to hide shit. Yeah. It's a lot of big forests, big mountain ranges. People who aren't from here might hear California and you think of SoCal. You think of beaches, flatter land, big sprawling cities, that type of thing. Up here in Northern California, I mean, I would say half of it up here, if not more, is just wild country. Yep. Huge mountains with the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Huge redwood forests and oceans and coastlines and just lots of places to fucking duck out and do sketchy serial killer shit. Fun. Fun. Zodiac Killer uh, takes place in a little bit more of an urban area, but still pretty rural. I got everything I needed for this episode from, of course, a two part (coughs) episode on our favorite podcast, Serial Killers. I watched a 2007 documentary on YouTube called This is the Zodiac Speaking, which was great because it talked to some of the survivors and a lot of the detectives and police people who worked it. I watched the first episode of a series from the History Channel called The Hunt for the Zodiac. I did not have to. I didn't realize it was a whole series. Yeah. I thought I was watching a special. Right. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, there's more. So I watched the first episode. How many episodes? More than I can watch in a week. Yeah. Of course, Wikipedia and then ZodiacKiller.com. The only. (laughs) He has his own dot com. The official Zodiac Killer website. The only one um, recognized by the FBI as being legitimate. ZodiacKiller.com. I'm sold. And an article by the New York Times. Incredible. 
Incredible. How old's the, auto- how old's the article? Um, the New York Times article? Yeah. 2020. Okay. I pulled up our... Our drinking game list? Yeah. We forgot spills. That was it. To be fair, it's been so long. Well, listen, we're in your bed. There's a first time for everything. Yeah, and I think you were the last one to spill. I was on yeah. our on our anniversary uh-huh. episode, aka my birthday episode, right. which if we keep doing this for another year, is going to happen again because our anniversary is on my birthday. Right. So, um, hey, you want to pour some more wine, B, while I, I tell you about our hometown hero, the Zodiac Killer? Let's hit it. December 20th, 1968, in Benicia, California, we are on Lake Herman Road at a lover's lane. Lake Herman Road is a very quiet, dark, rural road. It connects the two small, at the time, very small towns of Vallejo and Benicia. Nowadays, Vallejo is much bigger, home to rapper E-40 and Mac Dre, if anyone Currently? cares. E-40? Currently. I don't know if E-40 currently yeah, lives there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Benicia is still a smaller town, but it's much bigger than it was back then. So we are on a dark lover's lane, much like episode 14. Texarkana, mm-hmm. the, the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah. We have a little teenage couple, an all-American couple, 17-year-old David and 16-year-old Betty Lou out on a date, parked in their car. Betty Lou. Betty Lou. Doing what teenage you know, little cuties do on Betty lover Lou lanes. doing what they do. Mm-hmm. Right after 11 o'clock, their bodies are found shot by a local woman. Police arrive pretty soon after. David is lying outside of the car, face down on the ground. He has been shot in the head as if he had like started on his knees and then was oh. shot and dropped. Okay. Betty Lou is found sprawled out further away from the car. She's been shot five times and all in the back. And they believe that means that she was probably trying to run away or Um, flee the scene. Of course. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm picturing. David is still alive, but barely. So now the police are rushing to save his life and get him to an ambulance to a hospital, which means that they are officially trampling the scene. Mm -hmm. Right. He does eventually die. Uh, Betty Lou is already dead, unfortunately. And he has clasped in his hand his class ring. And so they automatically assume robbery gone wrong. Oh. Right? Benicia is a very small rural town at this time. Only 5,000 people. They haven't had a murder in as long as anyone in the police department can remember. Wow. So they are not ready or equipped to handle a murder investigation and quite frankly they do a pretty shitty job investigating this one yeah that's just the way it goes right seven months later july 4th 1969 we have 22 year old darlene and 20 year old michael they are also on a lover's lane this is in a very rural part of vallejo california at blue rock springs park they are four miles from Lake Herman Road in Benicia. So I have been on Lake Herman Road a million times with my husband. Not the lover lane part of it, but we've just driven on it a bunch right. of times. It's now a main exit off of the freeway. So if you cross the Benicia Bridge B, it's the first like exit off is okay. Lake Herman Road. Yeah. So we've been on it a bunch of times. 
this part, this rural part of Vallejo, I used to go to a lot with um, my grandparents. They had a friend who lived out here. It was so crazy seeing the pictures of it because this part of Vallejo, just picture like rolling grassy hills. Of course, the grass is all dry and yeah. brown because it's fucking California. And they have these like long country roads that are like um, sand, like on each side of the road are like really tall trees, maybe sometimes like eucalyptus trees, but like really tall trees. So it's so dark on these lanes, even in the daytime, you have to like have your headlights on because it just goes on for miles. And it was so crazy to see the pictures of it back then because it still looks the exact same as it did from my childhood, which is kind of crazy. So that's where we're at. We're at Blue Rock Springs Park in a very dark, quiet, rural part of Vallejo at a lover's lane, middle of the night, because Michael and Darlene, Darlene is married to somebody else, are having a bit of a tryst, Mm -hmm. a bit of a grown-up encounter. They're sitting in their car doing what they do when another car drives up. And then backs out and leaves. And then the car returns 10 minutes later, this time parking behind the couple's car. An assumed man gets out of the car with a flashlight in his hand and he shines it right into the couple's eyes so they cannot see really anything. Right. Where he proceeds to fire a nine millimeter handgun five times into the car The bullets pass through Michael into Darlene. Calls of gunshots start to come in from, you know, neighbors, even though it's rural. There are people who live out there and I'm assuming probably gunshots echo out there. Right. Yeah. So the calls start coming into the police station and there just so happened to be police semi close to the scene patrolling something else. So uh, they come in and they actually don't see anybody on the way in. And I think the police are coming in from the Benicia side. Okay. And so I think we're assuming that the killer is leaving towards the Vallejo side. Got it. Right? Because if the police were coming in from Vallejo, they would have passed somebody on this two-lane road. And they did not. Police arrive on the scene to find both Darlene and Michael still alive. They rush them into an ambulance. They're giving the girl who is in very critical condition, Darlene, CPR on the way to the hospital. And one of the detectives who was riding in the ambulance was watching them give her CPR and noting that as they breathed air into her mouth, he could see her blouse like flutter open because the air was coming out of the bullet holes of her chest. Oh, my God. Yes. She dies on the way to the hospital. Michael survives and he is still alive to this day. Wow. So now they have kind of something to go off of because Michael can give them a statement, but he didn't see much because of the flashlight situation. Yeah. Around 1240 a.m., the police station gets a call and it's a man confessing to the murder as well as confessing to the Lake Herman Road murder The dispatcher's name is Nancy, and she says that he's speaking in a very monotone, no emotional voice. And it seems like he's either rehearsed what he's saying a bunch of times Mm -hmm. or like he's reading it. Okay, It's a very affected voice. Yeah. 
they have nothing to go off of. They know that a guy has confessed to both murders, right? But there's no motive. There's no actual robbery. They thought maybe robbery because um, the first victim was holding that ring. But nothing's actually taken from any of the victims. Yeah. No signs of sexual assault. Literally just random killings at this point. Yeah. They list him as a crazed killer. Why do they call him a crazed killer, B? Because at this point, we didn't have serial killer yet. We didn't have the term serial killer yet because who invented that term? The Kanye West. The Kanye West <laughs> serial killers. Ted Bundy. Our guy. The TB. The TB of the serial killers. And if you don't know, that's another podcast reference. All right. August 1st, 1969. Three letters are sent to the Vallejo Times Herald, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. All three letters are almost identical. Basically, uh, whoever wrote them is taking credit for the killings. And along with each letter is a cipher or a coded message. Each coded message is different. And you're supposed to put the three together to make a cohesive message from the killer. Seven day, Well, six days later on August 7th, another letter is sent to the San Francisco Examiner. This is the first time that the killer introduces himself as the Zodiac. He gives details of the murders that have not been released to the public that only the police know about. And he basically signs off saying, if you can crack the code to my cipher, you'll know who I am. Yep. Shortly after, after all the experts have been looking at this code and getting nowhere, Two puzzle-loving <laughs> puzzle puzzle civilians in Salinas, California, crack the code because they put the, the cipher right on the front page of the newspaper. In fact, he told them that if they didn't publish the code in his letters and give him basically the attention he wanted, he was going to kill more people. Right. So they did what they were told. They published what he sent them. And these two puzzle-loving people from Salinas, California, crack the code. And it's basically just a bunch of shit about um, how he likes to hunt humans. It's better than hunting animals, blah, 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 blah. And that his victims are going to become his slaves in the afterlife, in Ooh. paradise. He gets all these slaves of the people he killed. So he sounds real with it insane. Yep. September 27th, 1969, we have two Pacific Union college students, Brian and Cecilia, they're enjoying a little picnic day in the middle of the day at Lake Berryessa, uh -huh. which is a lake near all these other places. It's near Napa, which is near Vallejo, near Benicia. All these places are not that far away from each other. Correct? You don't go to Napa. You take a Napa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a joke about how boring Napa is? It's from Sex in the City. Oh, um, again, Lake Berryessa, been there a million times. If you want to go to a lake and you're in the Bay Area and you don't want to drive all the way to Tahoe or Shasta, you go to Lake yeah. Berryessa. Yep. It's not that nice of a lake, but whatever. Like, we could talk. Our <laughs> fucking puddles are out here. Legs drying up. I know, but. Yeah. They're laying on their picnic blanket on this, like, little peninsula in Lake Berryessa, when a man about 5'8 to 5'11, about 170 to 200 pounds, stocky build, approaches them wearing an executioner style hood with sunglasses over it. 
a bib like vest with it's basically looks like the crosshairs of a scope for a gun. And if you don't know what that looks like, picture a circle and then picture a cross in the middle of the circle. But the cross goes over the circle. Does that make sense? So the lines go up and down and across circles in the middle. It's stitched in white on his little bib that he has and he's holding a gun. He tells them that he's an ex-convict. He's there to rob them. Brian tries to give him everything he has. Keys to his car, his wallet. He's Whatever like, you want. I don't have you- any money in my wallet, but I could write you a check. I'm. You're an ex-convict. I'm going to school for this, that, and the other. Like, maybe I can help you. Tries everything he can <coughs> when the Zodiac instead decides to tie up the couple with clothesline he hog ties them both he puts his gun away and takes out a 12 inch knife he stabs brian six times cecilia 10 times and then leaves but before he leaves he takes out a marker and draws on the side of brian's car door the dates and like locales of his previous murders okay with his little zodiac symbol which by the way, he's now been adding this little circle with the cross zodiac symbol on his letters. So this is becoming his signature mark. The couple who are still alive call out for help and a few boats kind of pass by. They don't stop. One boat finally stops and looks at them and hears them and then drives away. I don't oh. know. Do you drive a boat away? Yeah. Drives away and they're like, well, fuck. That's it. It's getting dark now. Like, this is not going to pan out well. Finally, Cecilia gets enough strength to untie Brian. Brian, in return, unties Cecilia. And then Brian drags himself up the embankment, up to the nearest road, just in time to see headlights. And the first thing he thinks is, oh, fuck, he came back. And he's coming back to finish the job. Luckily, it's not the Zodiac. It is a park ranger because that boat who had stopped because he heard the cries for help actually went for help, went and got help and got the park ranger. The park ranger called in the authorities and came to find Brian and Cecilia still alive. Incredible. The police are on their way, but it's a very long, windy road to get to this part of Berryessa. Again, this is the rural part of Solano County. There's no street lights. There's no nothing. It's just dark, winding country roads, right? Yeah. As they're headed towards Berryessa, the the road in and out is takes so long that they actually pass by a car, and the only person they can think that it is is probably the Zodiac killer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they do pass by who they think is the Zodiac on the way into Berryessa. They don't realize that at the time. Yeah. They come up on That Brian. reminds me of Eileen. Uh-huh. Right. Because when they were drunk and ditched the car or whatever, like the police. Oh, right. Oh, drove, right. Yeah. Absolutely. But there is a time that's like even more so. Okay. Eileen Warner. So that's funny. You put because I totally forgot about that. But yes, you're right. So they find the couple, like I said, still alive. They rush them both to the hospital to Kaiser, Mm -hmm. Vallejo Kaiser. Brian is able to give a statement within hours. So now they have like an official uh, description. They get like a sketch made on the scene. They find tire tracks leading away from the scene. 
that has two different tires in the front, which leads them to believe that it must be an older car, mm-hmm. right? They also find a boot print leading away from the scene, and they narrow it down to a certain type of combat boot that is issued in the military. Okay. The problem with the boot print is it is issued in the military, but therefore it's also sold in like army surplus stores. Yeah. So really anybody Anyone. could own this boot, but they got something. Now, the Vallejo Police Department gets a call again. Same shit, same guy, same voice, confesses to the murders, and then he actually just drops the phone and leaves it off the hook. So the police automatically leave the station and start driving around the city of Vallejo looking for a phone box that has Mm -hmm. off the hook. They find it right near the police station. Dun, dun, dun. And they pick up the phone and they hear the dispatcher in the other end and they know that that was the right one. Wow. They immediately dust it for fingerprints. And guess what, people? There's no cell phones back then. So they get hella fingerprints. So many. So many fucking fingerprints. You don't even know where to start with all these fingerprints. Because it's like fingerprints upon fingerprints. Like they all intertwine. Yeah. Yes. A big part of this problem is something that we talk about on this podcast a lot. This is back in the 60s. So even though this is the same county, this is different police jurisdictions. And none of the police departments fucking talk to each other. So none of them share information. None of them compare evidence and clues and whatever. So now we have three murders in three different jurisdictions. Nobody's talking to each other. Great. Two weeks later, October 11th. In Presidio Heights, San Francisco, which is a very, like, upscale part of San Francisco, the Zodiac Killer enters the cab of one Paul Stein. He has Paul drive him a few blocks before shooting Paul with a 9mm handgun. He then proceeds to take Paul's wallet, keys, wipe down the cab, and walk off on foot. But... Three teenagers see this whole thing go down. They call the police department who show up at some point. Either it, it, we know the kids didn't report it wrong. So the dispatcher must have misheard them. And then the dispatcher reported that they were searching the area for a black male. With and they describe him like as the same like kind of height and size and whatever is Zodiac, okay. but they're looking for a black male. Okay. So the police that are on the scene start. They're like, oh, he walked off on foot this way. And so they start going that way to see what they can find. Right. And these policemen are in the documentary talking. They are very much still alive and have very clear recollection of what happened that night. And they come across a white male who fits our Zodiac's description all the way down to the crew cut height build etc but because because they're looking for a black man they keep on trucking what the fuck they run into another set of police officers who have now talked to the teenagers and realized that they got the race wrong and they're like stop 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 we're looking for a white guy who looks like a b c d and they're like like, yeah "Yeah, we saw him it was that guy he was back there and they go back and he's gone yeah you think so, once again, the Zodiac has slipped through their fingers. Wow. Allegedly. Wow. Incredible. So, then I wonder, like, if that was race-driven. I mean, it's the 60s, baby. Who knows? It, exactly. hmm Now, they don't realize at the time in San Francisco that this is the Zodiac. 
because things were taken from Paul. So they just assume robbery. Yep. And I mean, I know it's all the San Francisco Bay Area, but especially back then in the 60s, you couldn't talk about two places more different from each other than like upscale San Francisco to like rural Vallejo, Benicia, even though they're only like 45 minutes away from each other, they are worlds away from each other. Absolutely. The Zodiac writes to the San Francisco Chronicle to claim credit for the murder of Paul. He includes a bloody piece of Paul's shirt that he had ripped off. And they confirm that this is a shirt, a piece of Paul's shirt. He goes on and on about a bunch of crazy wackadoo shit. And then he also threatens school children saying that he would love to like shoot the tires off of out of a school bus. And when the school bus comes to a stop, start picking off the kids one by one as they get off the bus. So fucked up. This puts people into a panic. Yep. Buses, all school buses are now followed by armed guards, armed police officers The drivers are given what I wonder is the first in American history training on how to deal with an active shooter. Maybe. It has to be. Yeah. If it's not, I don't know. We'll have to do some research. But they are giving active shooter training, which includes if you blow a tire out on the bus, you do not stop for any fucking reason. If you hear a gunshot You do not stop for any fucking reason. You keep driving. Wow. If for whatever reason you do have to stop, you get all the kids laying down on the ground under the windows and you wait for police clearance. Mm -hmm. That's the training that bus drivers are given, which I thought was just, I don't know, so crazy for back then. And I will say when you watch the news reports of them interviewing bus drivers Teachers, parents, and even like the police chief and the police officers. The difference between then and now is these adults are so like overcome and disgusted by the idea of like school children getting shot. It's very obvious when you're watching the documentary that these adults are almost beside themselves with the thought that school children Mm -hmm. could be shot in the place where they're supposed to be safe which is just very interesting because nowadays it feels like a school shooting happens and everybody's so jaded towards it like you feel bad but it's just another school shooting Mm -hmm. yeah it's not the same reaction whereas back then it was like they couldn't believe that something like this could happen Mm -hmm. um and then also those smaller towns like benicia go into lockdown they go into curfew mode which again is like texarkana not only that that's even taken it back to first episode on Gainesville camp. Ripper. Uh-huh. Right. right. It just, it, it's so many episodes with the curfews. Mm-hmm. October 20th. So by the way, um, the murder of Paul Stein is the last confirmed murder by the Zodiac. So right now he's killed three. No, right now he's, uh, he has, Harmed, attacked seven, killed five. Because two people survived. Okay. Michael and Brian have both survived. But all the, the women have died and Paul has died. The people at the lake? Um, Just Brian survived. Okay. The girl died a couple days later. Okay. Did I not mention that? I don't know. But If one. I didn't mention it, the girl died a few days later okay. in okay. a coma. Gotcha. 
Yeah, because it did. It got kind of blurry in the movie. Okay. Although this is the last confirmed murder of Zodiac, it does not slow down our Zodiac at all. October 20th, Zodiac calls Oakland Police Department, basically demanding the help of a couple of famous lawyers. He says, if you get these lawyers on this like local Bay Area talk show, I'll call in and talk to you guys. So one of the lawyers agrees. And a man does call in to the talk show claiming to be Zodiac. Talks to them for about three hours, which is wild to fucking think about. Think about that. Think about a local like news station, a local talk show. Allowing three hours. But a serial, an active serial killer calling in and talking. They can't filter what he's saying. I just think it would be so crazy and it makes me really there's nobody in my life who's alive that would remember the zodiac uh my parents are too young to remember my grandma who would be old enough to remember didn't live here at the time she lived in like fucking oklahoma so i was actually wondering if your parents would remember maybe but i mean they didn't even remember Shit that was That's more true. relevant. Because, so. like, my stepdad technically would be old enough to remember because he's your mom age, right? Yeah. And so they were probably born in, like, 54, 55? 55. 55. So 69. Yeah. They're, like, teenagers. But they were doing horrible things as I know, teenagers. but their brains yeah. are fried now. Exactly. So, so. Um, all my other grandparents who were raised in this area, by the way, my, um, my grandparents, I used to go to Vallejo, all I, the time. I'm it sure was my, my second home. I'm sure my dad remembers. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in Vallejo all the time. It's where my grandparents lived. My mom was a young mom. So my grandparents basically helped raise me. My grandpa would remember all of this shit, but he is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that doesn't help. Lose my husband's parents and grandparents would remember all of this, but they are not with us anymore. So it is what it is. Yeah. There's like nobody to ask, which kind of sucks because I'd like love the, to know what people the thought people the time. in our life who are left are so fried now i know well my mom was just too young my mom was born in 65 yeah Mm -hmm. and my dad was born in like 63 or something 62 Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know what can you do yeah anywho just let you guys know that caller into the talk show ended up being proved a fake first of all he knew nothing that they knew that the zodiac knew does that make sense yeah and second of all they played tapes for Brian, the survivor from Lake Berryessa, who in the documentary talks about what a very specific cadence yes. the Zodiac Killer had to his voice. It was very particular. And he said that guy on the phone is not, not, it. not the Zodiac Killer. He would know that voice anywhere. They could trace calls at this time. Yeah. Well, so they could. And because of that, when I say three hours, he'd only be on the phone for a couple minutes, hang up, uh, call again. Okay. So it was three hours, but it was a lot of start and stop because he was scared. He claimed he was scared of being traced. Okay. But he was a, a fake fraud. So who knows? November 8th, 1969, Zodiac mails his very last cryptogram or cipher to the newspapers. This remains unsolved for 51 years what the fuck and in the history channel show that's what they're trying to do is crack the cipher they have a supercomputer and super nerds who build software 
just to crack this code. And they still? They, at that time, couldn't crack it. It has now been cracked as of December 20th, 2020. It was it was released that they have officially cracked the code. 12-20-2020. What the fuck? Isn't that crazy? Um, and I feel you started on a 12-20. <sighs> Probably. I Maybe they waited. Maybe they cracked it before then and they were just going for either, the drama. Either way, I'm pretty sure the first date you gave us yeah, was, was 12 I guarantee you they probably cracked it on, on like 12-05 yeah. and they were like, hey. We'll just wait for the 20th to announce that. It was, it went, it went unsolved for so long because the Zodiac, oh, you're going to love this bee. It's oh going to really God. warm your heart. The Zodiac killer had spelling errors and none of them could believe that this like genius cipher would have spelling errors. Incredible. And that's why it remained unsolved. As soon as they took into account spelling errors, the code just just like (laughs) but in all fairness you had to read it really weird the way you read it like they showed the little graph of how they read it and you have to go like the fucking puzzle people from salinas figured it out the first one i know but i'm just yeah i'm just being a dick that's so funny so would you like to hear what the final cipher that they just cracked on 2020 2020 says it says, and a bunch of this shit spelled wrong, so that's really fun for me. That makes me laugh a lot. I hope you are having lots of fan. I'm assuming that's fun. I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me that wasn't me on the TV show, which bring up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. Now, when I tell you guys to go on Wikipedia and look that up and see how many spelling errors, it was actually hard for me to read because you want to like say the errors. I, I was trying to glance over them. There's a lot of spelling errors. Incredible. (laughs) Absolutely amazing. So the Zodiac claims to have 37 murders. Like I said, only five are confirmed. 37? All right. Another Ted Bundy. I want to be. He keeps, he keeps writing the press and the police and all these people for quite a few years after this. He sends his last cipher. And it's basically letters of him confessing to different murders, different abductions, the problem is they have nothing to go off of. They have no idea if that's true. They actually have no proof of whether or not this is actually the Zodiac writing them. It could be a copycat just like, you know, pranking them or whatever. Right. So they can't hold too much water with that. But what I will say is a few years before the Zodiac murder murders of Northern California, you have the murder of 18 year old. Um, Sherry Joe Bates, who was stabbed to death in Riverside, California on October 30th, 1966. A lot of similarities from the type of crime scene to the way she was stabbed to the letters that were typed, not handwritten like the Zodiac yep. letters, but these ones were typed up on a typewriter, were sent to the local press. The wording in the letters 
and uh, some poem that the killer wrote about it is all the same very like particular wording and vernacular Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. the Zodiac used. It's like his signature. And they even found boot prints of army issued combat boots, military issued combat boots Mm -hmm. at the Sherry Joe Bates crime scene, which if that's the case, then one, we know that if it was the Zodiac, his murders spread across California from SoCal to NorCal. And it means that his body count could be correct. Right. Okay. The final Zodiac letter was sent on January 29th, 1974. He sends it to a, a newspaper in it. He does have the quote. Another thing you'll like be the exorcist is the quote best satirical comedy that I have ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says a bunch of other crazy Zodiac shit. And then at the end of it, he signs the letter and he puts me equals 37 SFPD equals zero. Wow. And that's where they get the idea that, He had 37 bodies. Now, there are still 18 characters from that cipher that have been unsolved this whole time, even in 2020, 2020, It still is unsolved. And they really believe that if they could ever crack those 18 symbols, it might be be. the Zodiac's name. But until then, this case is still unsolved. That's the part I think I just couldn't remember. That still blows my mind. Yes, I could tell you, I have some notes on kind of the first big suspect that I read that really resonated with me. If you go to ZodiacKiller.com, they list, I think, four main suspects. And those four main suspects all do have stuff that is very sus about them. But this is the first one I read, and it's the first one they have listed, and it's the one that I read that was really like, whoa. That one has a lot of shit in common with Z. But if you want to read about all the suspects, go to zodiackiller.com. They have them all listed. But I will tell you about journalist Richard Gaikowski, who when you see a picture of him looks exactly like the fucking zodiac sketch. Ooh. So we could start there. In 1964, he lives in Martinez, California, which I have. My husband is from Martinez, California. This is Benicia's sister city. Uh It's right across the bridge. So you are in Martinez and then you cross the Benicia Bridge into Benicia. And then you can keep on driving from there up into Northern California where B and I currently live. We're up in NorCal, up in wilderness. But in the Bay Area, it goes Martinez, bridge, Benicia, right? Yeah. 1964, he moves and takes up residency in Martinez, in downtown Martinez, on Escobar Street, which is a couple blocks away from mine and Lou's first house in Martinez. Stop it. Which is absolutely... You know how many times I've walked on Escobar? I'm dying. A billion times. That's bananas. Crazy. So then you take the bridge into Benicia, and like I said, Lake Herman Road is the first exit off the bridge, so we're talking... He five minutes away from the first murder site, right? Wow. He would always shorten his name. Wait, wait, wait. Except for at the first murder, we assumed he drove away towards Vallejo. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I just, just mean that yeah. this guy's residence was so close. Is very close yeah, yeah, yeah. to 
And it would make sense if he lives in Martinez. Why would you drive back home right after? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you have like, because after you cross the bridge, you fork, right? So Benicia's one way. Vallejo's the other way. So off chance someone is on to you. Why Why cross the bridge to go home? Just go towards the Valley Joe. Okay. Okay. See, we're we're fucking cracking this down. That's right. Figure this shit out. He would. he, He was known for shortening his name. His his last name is spelled G A I K O W S S K I. He would shorten his name to either like Gake or Gike. He would shorten it to either G A I K or G I K E. I don't know why he would shorten his last name. It was just something he was known for doing. Okay. In the first cipher that they cracked, our puzzle lovers, it is very clearly written in the cipher G Y K E is written in the cipher he's locked up for a few years for being crazy and when he's locked up the zodiac letters stopped and then when he's released the zodiac letters start again and when they start again this is when he starts heavily doing like movie references okay and at the time this guy richard worked at a theater in san francisco watching movies also, Nancy, our dispatcher who took the first phone call from Zodiac, says that his voice is the same voice and cadence as Zodiac, and his handwriting is found to be consistent with the Zodiacs. But other than that, they never had enough proof to oh, arrest him. But other than that. And he died. So uh, there you go. Wow. Wow. I don't know if that's the Zodiac, but it feels like a lot of quinky dinks. Also, have you heard that people thought that Ted Cruz was the Zodiac killer? No. Yeah. And I really wanted to go into the Ted Cruz aspect until I realized that he was born in 1970. So uh, it's physically impossible. Yeah. But maybe Zodiac's long lost son. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Incredible. There you go. What do you think of the Zodiac wow. killer? Our hometown hero. That's crazy. I think that's as close as we'll ever get to a hometown serial killer. Because yeah. I don't think our hometown actually has a serial killer. Oh, thank God. But Martinez is about, what, five, ten minutes oh, away from our hometown? Consider it. Yeah. Like, five <laughs> minutes with no traffic. Exactly. Fifteen with heavy traffic. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my husband's hometown and a town that I hold very near and dear. Oh, well, I guess he didn't kill in Martinez. Sorry. I was thinking about Richard living there. So Benicia Vallejo. Yeah. Ten, fifteen minutes without traffic from our hometown. Yeah. Yep. Incredible. Well, so I watched clearly Zodiac 2007. And what's interesting is I feel like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now that they've just recently discovered kind of goes with what they talk about in the movie. Very weird. Uh Uh-huh. So let's see if I remember when we get to it. Um. Like, for instance, in here, they reference the guy that is the prime suspect in the movie has a totally different name, but they do reference him shortening his name. Weird. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned something else. Well, in all fairness, I don't know oh, how Oh, the long- encryptions. Oh. How um, the letters that are left out, it's the character in the movie... That's figuring out the puzzles. He's like, oh, it's absolutely who, whatever is in these leftover letters. That's got to be. Well, and we don't know how long Richard was a suspect for. He could True. be a suspect for a long time. Yeah. Because it was made in 2007. They yeah. could have had Richard down for 
years. Real quick, do you want me to wait till you're done to tell you my personal tie to the Zodiac or do you want to do it now? I'd want to wait. Okay, great. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Just don't let me forget because I will forget. Oh, no, we have to. Okay, so we're opening up with the song Easy to Be Hard by Three Dog Night. God bless it. Right? And we see fireworks going off all around Vallejo because it's the evening of July 4th, 1969, which that doesn't seem accurate. That's right. It is? That's the second murder. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We see, that's right. We see Darlene picking up what seems to be a much younger man and they're heading to their lover's lane situation. Episode 14. Drink up, bitches. (laughs) They're talking in the front seat when the car pulls up behind them. The boy asks if it could be the woman's husband. Right. And they did look into her husband as a suspect, but he had solid alibis and got, you know, off the suspect list. So the car obviously leaves. They think they're off the hook. And like you said, not too long after, comes back, parks behind, comes up with the flashlight, approaches from the passenger side window and shoots them multiple times before driving away. We see that the young man survives and he is found by Vallejo police. I think it's so horrendous. The idea that the bullets passed through him into her, into her pretty, pretty bad. That's so insane. We hear in the background a dispatcher receiving the call from a man claiming to be the killer and he is reporting what he thinks is a double homicide. And he's declaring that he was the same man who shot and killed the two years one or two kids one year prior. A case that still hasn't been solved. Four weeks later in San Francisco, we're introduced to single father Robert Graysmith played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And do you remember that he was briefly in the movie in episode 37 or 420? He played one of the kids. He was uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, bitch. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> Him and Maggie, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, Maggie played a babysitter. Jake was much younger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Jake and I learned, so much. I learned that um, Jamie Lee Curtis is their godmother. That's right. Mm-hmm. Queen. What a godmother to have. Right. Incredible. So, yes, he is a political cartoonist for the Chronicle, and he is struggling to get his son off to school in time because he's a fucking mess. He's not taken seriously by the peers at his work. Many of his drawings are dismissed, but he just so happens to be in the room when the editor is brought a letter from the Zodiac Killer. Bum, bum, bum. Within the letter, just like you said, are details that only the police and the killer would know. With the demand to publish a portion of the letter, which has been encrypted, claiming to reveal his identity as front page news or he will kill again. Also in the room at this time is reporter Paul Avery, played by Robert Downey Jr. Hey. Who points out that the letter signed by a symbol that he thinks looks like a gun sight, just like you said. Avery is given the job of confirming the facts detailed in the letter with the Vallejo police And the Vallejo police officer is played by, I'm going to fucking butcher this name. 
Elias, Elias, Katias, Katos, I don't know. Katosis. Right? (laughs) He was in episode 28, The Devil's Knot. Stop. But more importantly. Oh, God. Do not tell me, Monk. I will die. He was Dr. Abel Campos in The Fourth Kind. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So if you're a fucking OG. You know about The Fourth Kind. Like if, if you've been around. You've heard. I think that would be better as if he was in Monk, but I will take the fourth kind for real. Amazing. Did you look up every person in this movie? Bitch, I'm just getting started. (laughs) What a perfect movie for our 50th episode. I'm just getting started. I'm so excited. Oh, okay. He confirms the facts in the letter and the Chronicle does decide to run, but they only run it on page four. Uh Uh-oh. Not front page. Sounds like people are going to have to die. I also want to say that it made, I think in the movie they made it sound like the other papers didn't take us seriously and that they didn't run theirs. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Exactly. Um, The encryption is decoded by a, they declared a history school teacher Mm -hmm. in Salinas. Um, Gray Smith notices the leftover symbols and he's convinced that they have more meaning and it's his dedication and skill to unscrambling the puzzle that attracts Avery to Graysmith, someone he's worked with for almost a year but didn't even know fucking existed because he's basically a loser. <laughs> Poor Jake. I know. Another letter is delivered, and in this, the killer gives himself the name Zodiac. One month later in Napa, our killer ties up and stabs a young couple laying out by Lake Berryessa in the middle of the day, dressed in all black, hood covering his face. I assumed it was a necklace with the symbol of the gun sight. No, it is stitched on. He hand sewed it. Damn. And I didn't notice the sunglasses. So I'll definitely take note on that. Um, and he killed both of them in the movie. Okay. Right. On site. Like, okay. Yeah. They, they they were dead, dead. He definitely thinks he does in real life because when he calls into the police station, he says, I want to report a double murder. And they're like, haha, motherfucker. They're still alive. Because you're right and I'm wrong because I just fucking read that in my own notes. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, he does. He calls to report a double homicide. I forgot the man he did survive. So you're absolutely right. Two weeks later, October 11th, 1969, cab driver listening to the news, reporting cities, enforcing curfews. This one's a fucking huge drink. Because like I was saying, episode one, episode 14, 26, 27, 29, 41. Like you name it. Yes. How many fucking times these towns have enforced these curfews? (laughs) Right. Don't seem to be working, guys. I, I mean, <laughs> what else are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, before the passenger shoots from the back seat. Shortly after, the Chronicle receives another letter, this time containing a piece of evidence, a piece of the cab driver's blood-soaked shirt, which prompts the San Francisco detectives... Dave Toshi, played by Mark Ruffalo. His partner, you ready? Bill Armstrong, played by 
Anthony Edwards, who is Dick Hickok from fucking episode 43 in Cold Blood. Amazing. <laughs> so they come to collect the evidence. In the letter, the kidder reveal the kidder. The killer reveals his next target will be the school bus. And this is when people are fucking not having it. It's especially hard for Graysmith as he has a school-aged child who does rely on the bus for transportation. Now that the kids' lives are at stake, the different officers from the prior killings are finally trying to work together for the first time. And we know that that doesn't go well because of episodes 6, 23, 26, oh 29, God. 40, 46. How do you remember all this? Because I just look back at our... I don't remember anything about hey, any cases we've ever covered. Bitch, the work you put into the descriptions... Oh, that helps. All I need is our your description on each episode on the... What do I listen to? Pod Bean. It's whatever you put on that. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It gives just enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, because we're dealing with Vallejo, Napa, San Francisco. <clears throat> and even though they're trying, we have to take into account, like, the material evidence that they're trying to share has to be snail mailed, right? There's no fax, <laughs> right. email, overnight delivery. God, not even fax? No. Ugh, so. Jesus. They're trying to talk about evidence with someone that the person's never even seen. Right. And that's like, oh, well, you need to fucking talk to Napa. Oh, well, you need to talk to Solano and whatever. So they're just getting bitchy with each other, which I get. I give them credit for trying. Right. Another source of confusion is why did the Zodiac kill the cab driver? All the other killings prior to this had been like a couple situation. So he broke his pattern and it's throwing them off. True. This is when we have the man claiming to be the Zodiac, convincing an early morning talk show that he's the killer, ends up being someone from a mental institution. Yeah. The Zodiac finds this amusing. I think this is what, because this was part of the last cipher that they broke down where he mocks the police because in this one, the letter he sends to the Chronicle, all he does is taunt the police like... You dumb fucking pigs, basically. Like he does, he does do that in mm-hmm. a letter. Okay, that he sends along with the cipher. Yeah, um, and basically he's taunting the police because of the thing I told you about, where they like basically walked right past him in the Presidio. Yeah, and he's taunting the police with that. Mm-hmm. Like you could have had me, and you were too dumb to fucking do anything. Mm. Perfect. Okay, so as well in this letter is a recipe for a bomb. And another encryption, but by now, Graysmith has figured out that he's using the Zodiac alphabet. So it's getting easier for them to figure shit out. Between Christmas of 1969 and summer of 1970, Zodiac sends more letters to the Chronicle, taunting the police, taking responsibility for a bunch of fucking incidents. Yep. Like you were saying, like... 36 or something I think they were saying like 31 one of which is fucking bananas to me and I don't think you talked about it in the movie he tampers with a woman's car in the middle of the night so 
it breaks down. She's forced off the road. She has to ask for help, right, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. She has a baby. So this, I did talk about. This is Sherry Jo Bates. Oh. This is the woman in Riverside. Okay, okay, okay. And so um, once in the car, he's like, I'm going to throw your baby out the window. Oh, shit. And so she throws herself and the baby out the car. If it's not Sherry Jo Bates, it's this other person that they're talking about. And I wrote in my notes that it's like Sherry Jo Bates because Sherry Jo Bates, he definitely dismantled her car Mm -hmm. so she couldn't get away and then had to ask for help. And I think what I wrote down in my notes was that was one of the things that tied the mystery person in Riverside to Zodiac because Zodiac had done this to this mystery woman where he dismantled her car. She had to ask for help. She had a baby, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But the Zodiac claims that that happened, but that exact same thing happened to Sherry Jo Bates as well. Right. So she's found screaming in the middle of the road. Right. Alive. Her and her baby survive. Um, the papers at this point decide to stop running the letters at the request of police to see if it'll make the killer react. Mm-hmm. Avery and Graysmith are discovering at this point that a lot of the things that Zodiac claims to be responsible for in his letters are actually is actually fabricated. Right. All right. He's piecing together bits and pieces of other news articles that have already been published, putting a spin on it to make it look like it was his own thing. Right. And I don't know if you're going to go into this in the movie, but they said one of the reasons that he really started amping up like the letters and the this and the that was to get the attention back on him because very shortly after his murder spree started, uh, the Manson murders happened and, and all attention went from him to the Manson family murders. And he got a little upset that the attention was no longer on him. And can you think of somebody else who maybe didn't like to have his attention taken away <laughs> and might have amped things up right before his fucking execution? Ooh, the Kanye West of serial killers? Episode 46, bitch. <laughs> Kanye West of serial killers, Ted Bundy. But yeah, that's, um, I forgot to mention the Charles Manson tie-in, but... He was not happy that he thought he like he started to get all this attention and then the Charles Manson family murders happened. How dare he steal his thunder, steal his shine. It's so funny. These fucking killers and their their fragile egos feelings getting hurt. We hit me. I'll hit you. I mean, right. I mean, I'll take it. I get rough. Um, Avery also figured out the gun sight symbol originated from an advertisement of a watch and the model of said watch was the zodiac watch oh so at this point the zodiac is claiming in his letters um that he's killed up to 13 people we know he's attempted to kill at least six i wrote down he killed four you said five um, in October 1970, while at work, Avery opens a card from the Zodiac that contains another bloodied piece of the deceased cab driver's shirt. Mm-hmm. Police at this point are convinced that the Zodiac is targeting Avery because of some unflattering articles he's written about the killer. And so news reporters all across the state begin to wear buttons that say, I am not paul avery (laughs) 
Okay. They don't want to get killed. Right. That's a big joke amongst all the reporters. Avery gets an anonymous tip sending him to Riverside looking for clues. Oh, here we go. While Gray Smith ends up at a blind date with none other than our girl, Chloe Seventy. Oh. Episode 25, episode 40. Our girl, Party Like a Monster and Mommy Drunken Dearest. Yes. Two of my favorite episodes. Really, really good episodes. So Chloe can sense right away that Gray Smith is too consumed by the case to really have like a nice sit down dinner. So they get food to go, head back to his place, and they work on the case together. And okay. Chloe provides like some really cool insight that Gray Smith hadn't considered before. Are they eating Chinese food? No. Oh. Just, I know, diner food. I feel like any time that like... Oh, the city fucking dim sum. And... No, I know. And I feel like any time like people are working on something late at night in movies, mm-hmm. they're always eating Chinese takeout. Mm-hmm. Straight from the cartons with chopsticks. It's a very monk move. Yeah, it is a very monk move. <laughs> In Riverside, Avery is convinced he's found evidence that links to the Zodiac's first victims from 1968. This sends Ruffalo and his partner Dick down to confirm. And while there are similarities, overall, the police have to rule it out. Okay. Problem is, Avery already took most of this information public. <laughs> so before police could really do anything to look into it, um, at this point, people are now coming out of left field, just left and right with theories on who they think the fucking Zodiac killer could be, which is sending our police everywhere, right on like wild goose hunts. But there is one lead that seems promising. Police look into Arthur Lee Allen. That is one of the top suspects that I did not tell you anything about, but he's number two right underneath Richard Gajkowski. Amazing. Played by, drum roll. Oh my God. I'm terrified. John Carroll Lynch. I've spoken about him a million times because he's one of the baddies from the show Big Sky. I was going to say Big Sky. With has to be. all of our Silence of the Lambs references. Uh-huh. Motherfucker was in Monk episode... Happy birthday, Mr. Monk. Yes, let's go. Get into it. That's so exciting. So we got Silence of the Lambs. We've got past episodes. We've got absolutely incredible. I can't. If you're not fucking drunk by now. Listen, we're working on it. I cannot believe I only put this as our 50th episode for personal reasons. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe all the tie-ins we have into the movie for all of our past episodes. What past episode have I not for (laughs) For real? Arthur is eventually ruled out when a handwriting expert finds no connections in the samples provided. His fingerprints also don't match. And currently, we're over like a year and a half into this case. So our first big break has now led to nothing. Mm hmm. Four years go by. <laughs> mm-hmm. Zodiac remains silent. Reporter Avery has gone off the rails drinking. Some could say because he's locked up in an insane asylum and can't write letters. Amazing, right? I love that. Avery has left the Chronicle. He no longer wants to waste any more of his time on the case. 
Detective Ruffalo's partner, Dick, also steps down from... Are you calling him Detective Ruffalo? (laughs) Oh, all of these names have been changed. Yeah, Detective Bruce Banner. (laughs) I give them all my own names. Right, like Dick's name, I think, is actually Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Right, so yeah, Ruffalo's partner, Dick, steps down from homicide because he's lost all hope. The only one who still has hope is Graysmith who has since married Chloe and they have expanded the family. Great. <clears throat> Great. I can't believe how many more notes you have. <laughs> right for the fucking movie. Oh, Graysmith goes to Ruffalo for information, points him back to Napa. They brush him off, send him to Vallejo. Finally, he's allowed access to the evidence room. The evidence found in Vallejo convinces Graysmith that whoever killed Darlene from the beginning of the movie very possibly had been reaching out prior to the killings. Okay. As her and her family members all reported getting suspicious phone calls from a man with heavy breathing. Okay. I did not see a lot of this in my research, but I will say I saw... When I say research, listen, you want to take that with a grain of salt. But there was enough little tidbits here and there that there is something there about him contacting the family, him possibly stalking some of the victims and making contact with their families. And that is another thing that tied in. They said that the same thing was happening with Sherry down in Riverside and it happened to some of the victims up in NorCal. And that was another tie of why they thought maybe the Riverside killing was connected to the Zodiac and killer. this is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, I know. I just didn't see anything that was like, told me very clear cut what was going on. For but I sure. also didn't do a ton of research. So maybe if I was better at my job. Hey, something else that's super cool is apparently they had paint parties back in the day. Stop it. There was an incident at a paint party where a paint man- party meaning what? Like one of our like wine and yeah. paint. She had people over to fucking drink and paint. Amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> I love drinking and painting. Right. So a man shows up and scares many of the guests, including Darlene's sister, with his odd behavior enough so that they call fucking police. So I thought that was incredible. Graysmith, once again... Tries to share this information with Ruffalo. But he tells Graysmith, like, you gotta go talk to some lawyer, Melvin Belly. Melvin <clears throat> doesn't give us anything. But his housekeeper does, because according to her, she had the opportunity to speak with the Zodiac on the phone one night. And he told her the reason he had to kill was because it was his birthday. And she can narrow that down somewhere between, again, December 18th to December 20th. Okay. So, if he did the first killing on December 20th, mm-hmm. right? And that is the birthday of suspect number three. Okay. Who I do not have a name for. It is on ZodiacKiller.com. But the third suspect they listed... That is his birthday. Okay. So they thought there was a tie there. And he was also in the military. So there's your combat boot situation and a couple other little ties. 
So Graysmith believes that he has stumbled onto another lead when he receives a phone call at home from a man claiming there's film evidence of a man named Rick Marshall and that he is the real Zodiac. This is confirmed by the handwriting expert that earlier dismissed Arthur Lee Allen as he was also told that Rick Marshall was the Zodiac. And you know what I forgot to mention? We keep bringing up the town that dreaded sundown, Texarkana, and like the Gainesville Ripper. But do you know what this really also reminded me a lot of? I don't know what episode number it is, but it has a lot of um, Son of Sam vibes. I've, Son yeah. of Sam vibes. So much, especially with like the the almost like the mental illness part. Like with right. Like, yeah. And the, the, ups- the letters uh-huh. and did son of Sam have, he didn't have codes. Did he? He just had like weird cryptic letters. Yeah. But, and also just the walking up and shooting people randomly in Big the middle time. of the night. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, soon after learning all of this, Graysmith gar- starts getting calls with the heavy breathing. And he goes to Napa PD and they admit to interviewing Rick Marshall, but they never got any samples that they needed to press charges. Back in San Francisco, Detective Ruffalo is being informed that they have just gotten another letter from the Zodiac, which references his name. He's hopeful, thinking this could be the break that they need, but instead he's met by suspicion from his own department accusing him of setting the whole thing up wow and he gets kicked out of homicide wow by now the case is completely consuming graysmith he's missed so much work (laughs) following leads that he's lost his job at the chronicle he spends all of his time at home like making his kids line up the murders with moon cycles and shit (laughs) is he chain smoking the whole time no Oh, that's impre- that's pretty Mm-mm. impressive. And when he eventually gives a TV interview about how he figured out the Zodiac's encryption, wife Chloe finally calls him out like, you piece of shit, you just put your face on the fucking TV. <laughs> Good point. You're married to me, we have kids, and you just like welcomed the Zodiac into our home. You need to choose this case or us. And he walks out. He chooses the case. Yeah. Listen, he's a man on a mission. Finally, he tracks down Darlene's sister, who's currently in prison. Why? No fucking clue. Perfect. But he questions her about the paint party. According to the police reports, the man that showed up that night scared her so much, she should remember something. Right? Meaning like a description or a... Right? Description. More so he's looking for a name. Because she kept saying like it's a really short name. Like it's an abbreviated name. Right? And he's like, yeah, how about the name Rick? She's like, no, it's not Rick. And he's like, no, you're wrong. You're not remembering it right. She's like, no, it's not fucking Rick. And he's like... You have nothing for me. He goes to walk out and she's like, it was Lee. Immediately, Graysmith makes the link to Arthur Lee Allen, our one-time primary suspect. 
he, of course, takes the information to Detective Ruffalo. As a friend, Ruffalo's like, yes, I see it. I see the link to Arthur Lee Allen. However, as a cop, everything you have is circumstantial. We cannot do anything with this. And he encourages Graysmith to focus his attention on writing a book. Yes. Ruffalo ends up retiring from the San Francisco PD in 1989. He was eventually cleared of his forgery charges. We cut to December 1983, almost 15 years after the initial murder of Darlene. We see Graysmith at a hardware store in Vallejo coming face to face with Arthur Lee Allen, who seems to be working there. Arthur doesn't recognize Graysmith, and he's like, can I help you? Graysmith just walks out and never says a word. Dun, dun, dun. Seven and a half years later. Wow, (laughs) we are traveling through time. 1991. We see a book titled Zodiac on the bestseller shelf at a bookstore in an airport, I assume, written by Graysmith? I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. I have no fucking idea. So for me, if I did the math, I said 22 years into the case. Okay. 1991? Sure. A young, or the young man who was almost killed with Darlene the night of July 4th yes has finally come to meet with authorities he's shown a number of mugshots which you just cleared up like mugshots he he never saw the fucking guy yeah I think he might have given them like a rough description but yeah he didn't see him enough to like make it you know Mm -hmm. that's him Mm -hmm. so he is in here is he twacked out of his mind no okay perfect i do recognize him though and he seems like he would play that kind of character but i just know that the 2007 documentary that i watched has the real michael in it the survivor and i don't know anything about his history i don't know about his life after the zodiac attack i can tell you that he obviously struggled with it he took it very hard Mm -hmm. he seems like he might have self-medicated himself through that and maybe he wasn't currently when he did the documentary but he just had the mannerisms and the kind of vocal inflection of somebody who did hard drugs for a long time and he was even giving like false memories yeah. where he was like, this happened, this happened, this happened. And I was writing all that down. So I'm like, holy shit, this is great. And then they would go to the detective and be like, yeah, it's the first we're hearing about it. Cause he didn't say any of that shit 30 years ago or whatever. Wow. And so they just really kind of put off the vibe of like, eh, I don't listen to Michael too much. So that's uh, why yeah. I was asking. I didn't know like how out there his character was in the movie. No, in the movie, all they really went into him was how hard it was to track him down okay like here we are i said what like 15 years into it it's the first time they're getting him to point out fucking mug shots yeah yeah so and i will say he talked about because that was darlene right correct 
he had a real problem with the way that people uh, talked about and presented Darlene because, yes, she was having an affair, but he said that she was the best person he ever knew and he loved her then and he still loves her now. And so he said very sweet things about Darlene. Okay, well, we'll give him that. So maybe he's just heartbroken. Right. Oh, listen, I am not one to judge how anybody deals with that kind of trauma. I am not judging Mm -hmm. him whatsoever. I'm just calling it how I see it on the Mm -hmm. documentary. Listen, if that shit happened to me, fuck it. Do all the drugs you want. I don't care. Right. So he does point out a mugshot of Arthur Lee Allen, who unfortunately dies of a heart attack before he can be questioned further by police. Mm hmm. Gray Smith continues to live in San Francisco to this day where he does maintain a relationship with his kids. <laughs> they, Even though he chose the case. Right. Uh, the mysterious phone calls from the man with the heavy breathing seem to stop around the same time of Alan's death. Interesting. But DNA test done in 2002 did seem to rule him out again as they didn't match any of the samples gathered, but investigators still refused to rule him out. So as of 2004, um, SFPD deactivated their investigation, but Napa, Solano, and Vallejo maintained that Arthur Lee Allen is still their prime suspect. All right. Bum, bum, bum. Perfect. How many knives are we giving it? Three and a half. What? That's gonna be higher. I gotta be honest. Nope. Only because the movie had a lot of good people in it. It wasn't a great movie. Dang. The murders were subpar. Okay. It was slow. In all fairness, the Zodiac murders were subpar. He just shot people. I know. He stabbed a couple people. It was just. I don't know. It. It was slow. Yeah. And the. I feel like some of the twisted facts, but just it was it was me for such a big case. I was I was expecting like a wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that makes it a big case is how much he contacted the press and the cipher. I think if it wasn't for the coded ciphers, this would not be that big of a case. Okay, because Mm -hmm. as far as like actual murders like what he that did. we know mm-hmm. about he is not putting up bundy numbers no. Dahmer numbers no. green river killer numbers which, which we, we haven't, haven't even done yet golden state killer what? richard ramirez hillside stranglers these are all california serial killers and he is not putting up those type of numbers and to be fair i think i do very much like confuse many of those like I just kind of combine them into one and so for me like actually having to break him down and like chip him off that block and be like oh he only has five murders yeah Mm -hmm. that we can confirm exactly he has seven attacks five murders the fact that it's still unsolved that's that's crazy and I cannot wait because you know one day somebody's got a salt Unless it's just gibberish. That's the thing is for years they went back and forth between is this even something or is this a madman writing symbols and we're looking like assholes trying to figure it out. And for the longest time I also thought because you had said many 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 podcasts back 
we've talked about Patton Oswald's wife, but that's the yes, Golden State. That's the Golden State Killer. But I thought it was the Zodiac Killer. So when I was like, wait, unsolved, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm. And then I was like, oh, different, different. Mm-mm. And don't worry, we are well, going to do that. I'm waiting for them to make a movie about it. Mm-hmm. At least a Lifetime movie about Golden State Killer. Um. <clears throat> And actually, they were hoping that the Golden State Killer was the Zodiac Killer. I right, but they I, you, were unable yeah. to connect the yeah, two. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think the only thing that makes the Zodiac Killer anything special is the fucking ciphers and the codes. Right, and the amazing past references. That well, we, that was incredible. This was literally a walk down memory lane. It sure was. So. Here's my personal tie to the Zodiac yes, Killer. Another reason wait. we saved it for a special wait, wait, episode. Wait, let, me, let me get ready. Okay. <sighs> so my aunt, my Aunt Debbie, who passed away a couple years ago, used to work for the East Bay Times. And after she passed away a few years ago, my cousin was going through her stuff, her mom's stuff, and found this Xerox copy of a Zodiac letter that had been originally probably sent to one of the three main papers we talked about. Incredible. But then was re-ran in their smaller, like, sister newspapers in smaller towns. Yes. That side of my family is from a small East Bay town called Antioch, California. Don't worry if you've never heard about it. Most people haven't unless you're from the Bay. So it was just so crazy because we had just started the podcast and my cousin put on Facebook oh, this is like, this is so weird. Look what I found in my mom's stuff. And I went, girl, do you know what you have your hands? Like you have your hands on history right now. So we have a Xerox letter from the Zodiac Killer, the original letter that was sent to, I don't know which major newspaper, probably one of the San Francisco ones, but this is a Xerox copy that the East Bay Times ran in their little sister paper. Um, I'll read it for you guys now. The only code on the bottom of this is just like a little, I think it's the code that's still unsolved. But yeah. most of the letter is just good old fashioned English. It says, this is the Zodiac speaking. I have become very upset with the people of San Fran Bay area. They have not complied with my wishes for them to wear some nice, his little symbol, buttons. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating a full school bus. But now school is out for the summer. So I finished them in another way. I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. And then there's his symbol again, the cross with the circle, and then the number 12, meaning so it's it's basically Zodiac 12, SFPD zero so when he wrote this he's claiming 12 people the map coupled with this code will tell you where the bomb is set you have until next fall to dig it up and then it's the coded cipher so in the movie let me try to break this down read it read it again real quick there were a couple things this is the zodiac speaking i've become very oh geez i've become very upset with the people of the Mm, san fran bay the pins okay in yeah, the, the movie, buttons. They the have buttons. not complied with my wishes for them to wear some nice Zodiac buttons. Yes, in the movie, he goes on this whole rant about how, like, there's all these buttons. Everybody has buttons. Everyone cares about, like, Black Lives buttons and stuff. And I was like, oh, 
Well, like that's interesting. Like, well, it makes sense. The '60s, yeah. right? And especially San Francisco, <clears throat> it was very like anti-Vietnam, yeah. women's rights, hippies, free love. So yes, that absolutely was in the in the movie. And then keep going. There was something else. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating a full school bus. Right, which well, obviously. But now school is out for the summer, so I finished them in another way. I shot oh. a man sitting in a parked car with a thirty-eight. So in the movie. For that, the man was actually a police officer. Oh, shit. It was a police officer sitting in his car, and he did, and that was one that they accused him of taking that article. And lying. Yes, and trying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then it says Zodiac 12 SFPD 0. Yeah. And then it mentions the bomb you talked about. Right. The map coupled with this code will tell you where the bomb is set. You have until next fall to dig it up. Mm -hmm. And then his still unsolved ciphered code at the bottom assuming that that is possibly his name i will post this on our instagram thc podcast straight from my aunt's belongings her box of memorabilia that she kept yeah so crazy isn't that so crazy love it so there you go guys the zodiac killer let us know what you think how fun that was super fun i was not prepared for how many right, the throwbacks memory lane. incredible like the the fact that we could even tie it back as far as episode number one. one which is still one of my favorite episodes and i'm so upset that i don't have it in my capability to clean up the audio for that because i love episode number one but the audio is not great um that's just the way it goes with the first episode right but yeah i love it so Zodiac's done. That was like a big hitter. I feel like at least for us. Of course. We'll have to think of something fun next week. Okay. Talk about your look of the week. Okay. Look of the week. I did a black pillowcase. <laughs> yeah. For my. It looks like a black pillowcase. Yeah. I uh, arts and crafted myself a gun sight, I guess, symbol type situation in white printer paper fake like wrapper chain yes uh, because it was available in the garage that we cleaned this weekend um a jacket that i'm gonna wear inside out so that it's all black and i'm currently wearing all black i got black leggings i got a black tank top i got my black boots i know we're both in all black tonight how special i know not only that i noticed your earrings i I noticed your bracelet what is it the death Death moth Moth earrings Mm -hmm. which i wore this what I'm wearing right now is what I wore to work. Mm-hmm. I just haven't had time to change. Mm-hmm. So um, I got on my death moth earrings because I wore my hair up today so you can see my ears. And then I put on, I've been putting on my fuck you bracelet for podcasts just so I can show Bailey. Fuck you. I know. It's amazing. While I'm podcasting. I love it. So my only thing is, is that I kind of want to take the picture during the day. Okay. Because it was daytime at Lake Berryessa. Yeah. For sure. Right. And I want to do it like by your tree. Yep. And uh, now I obviously need to add sunglasses. Yes. I was not aware of that. And again, you can hold my husband's gun if you want. It's a knife. Right. So he walks up to the couple holding a gun. I could do both. And then he puts that away and pulls out the knife. So either one You have kids staying at your house, though, that don't (laughs) belong to you. If it was just your children, I... Yeah, but only... Oh, that's true. One of the kids is perfectly okay with guns because right. his parents are like kind of Trumpsters. But the other two are like hippie parents, so they might freak out. Oh, my God. We went to Home Goods. And I don't uh, like Home Goods. <gasps> home Goods slander. I know. I was not impressed with Home Goods. Oh. 
we got what we needed. It was fine. It Perfect. was it was within the line of everything we were doing. However, as we were going to check out, they had like the little like wooden barn looking lettering. Yep. So you could spell names or whatever. Did somebody spell Trump? Yes. <laughs> of course. Yes. Welcome to the Red County, baby. Yes. NorCal. Oh, of course, we don't agree with it, but oh, it's the county we live in. So funny. We are we are stuck in. We are two girls from very liberal East Bay, just, 10 minutes outside of Berkeley, California, stuck in a very red county. Yeah. And sometimes you run into Trump advertisements and home goods. Yeah. What are you going to do mm-hmm. besides move the letters around? <laughs> Did you know there's a whole thing where people, I've never seen it, and I spend a lot of time in bookstores, so I have to start paying more attention, but if it's um, one of Barack or Michelle Obama's books, they'll turn it around so you can't see the cover, or they'll take the books and hide them behind other books. It's a whole TikTok I've seen where people have to go around and like re-turn over the book to be <laughs> what are we doing are, are we five what's happening to be fair i i don't read real books but still i do and i guess i've never paid enough attention but i'm going to start paying attention and if i see any any books turned around i'm going to turn them back around yeah well no matter whose books they are <clears throat> regardless guys you'll see a look of the week you'll see a maybe a picture of our special guest Sleeping Beauty over here at the end of the bed. Stella, our special guest. Did you guys like the special guest last week? Did you hear her last week? Oh, yeah. So? Oh, my God. No, my favorite part was like, and just like that, she's gone. Yeah. I kept kept Zoe in there. And um, just let you know, normally we're in the pod shed, so we're completely away from my kids. We are podcasting in my house. If the kids are still awake, my door is locked. We're keeping our voices down. They can't hear us. There's nothing like inappropriate happening. But Zoe was spying on us for a minute. She was like talking to us under the door. It was really funny. Um, But yeah, to see B's look of the week, to see pictures of this week's podcast. I'm going to pause on this real quick. Just because you're like, we hide things. Obviously, we hide the like important things from our kids. I can't tell you how much I gushed to our friend who is visiting because he works for Cal Fire mm-hmm. the other night because he also has a kid very similar to our child like our kid's age and we were talking about like bedtime routines and Nick's like oh yeah this fucking motherfucker of a mom over here teaching our kid one two yes <laughs> and I'm like I can't help it that my bonding time with my child at the end of the <laughs> night includes me singing first a Taco Bell commercial. Right. Followed by us together. Like I'll do one, two and yeah. she'll go. Freddie's coming for you. Like it's, it's right thing. And then to really wind it down and like bring it into like the slow mode, we have our journey moment. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's my lullaby that's my love song that's so sweet I know. and i i couldn't gush more about her like raving like friday the 13th it's jason's, jason's birthday. birthday yeah that was so funny and he was so like, cute he's like yeah i wouldn't expect anything less from you or or your offspring so i i i encourage the creepy kids peeping in on what we're doing i think it's fun that they're curious yeah, totally. Me too. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it's so funny because like 
I remember having a first child and how much I did all that stuff. And then you get three kids deep and you're like, listen, when she falls, she falls asleep. Like oh, wherever no. she lands, there's no bedtime routine. No, no, no. I'm like, wherever she is, couch, floor, my bed, as her sister's bed. Alive, yeah, she'll fall asleep anywhere. It's all fine. Cares. But anyways, yes, pictures of everything from this episode. Bees always iconic. <laughs> I think we have. Because I think you started your look of the week, week two. I know. I think so. Would, was that Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. I Once we pull out the Halloween stuff, I should just dress up as Ghostface and we should just do one for week one, just like as an OG. Yeah. Just as throwback, a throwback. As a throwback. A flashback moment, Friday. Just as a reason. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's on THC Podcast on Instagram. I'll load up the picture of my aunt's Xeroxed copy of a Zodiac letter that she kept all those years, which is pretty cool. Um, and and I think else? we did everything we were supposed to. We covered the rules. We covered the case. Yeah. We were much better this week than right. we were last week. Last week was a good warm-up episode <laughs> with a warm-up case because right. does anybody really care that? Right. Um, Bobby Kent, does anybody really care? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening for 50, 50 mother fucking episodes. If you've been here for that long. That's crazy. Wow. We appreciate you. Here's to another 50 at least. We got you. We'll see what happens after that. But at least another 50. We love you and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.